welcome to Rhetoric O-Rama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. Here are your hosts, Dr. David R. Dewberry and Dr. Tim, as seen on TV, McGee. I'm Dave. I'm Tim. In this episode, we dip into the fallacy files to discuss errors in reasoning. Today, we focus on the power and the mystery of moving the goalposts. As Billy Joel said, it seems such a waste of time if that's what it's all about. Mama, if that's moving up, then I'm moving the goalposts. Once again, we're here to talk about errors in reasoning, and moving the goalposts is one of those unfair situations. Indeed it is. Moving the goalposts is when people are having an argument or a disagreement about anything. Let's say we're discussing why a certain person should be running for dog catcher of some town. You know, Dave, my wife and I are living near Allentown, and they've closed all the factories down. So I'd imagine people would like a good government job. So there might be a number of people interested in the dog catcher gig, so we'd have to determine who'd be the best person. And let's say, Tim, you've got somebody who you think I should vote for. I do have someone in mind. She's a real uptown girl. Okay, so uh, if you give me two reasons, I'll vote for this uptown girl. I could say she's got a graduate degree in dog catching and interned with the Bethlehem Animal Control Center. Uh, Thanks for those two reasons, Tim, but I'm going to need two more reasons. Now, Dave, that seems quite unfair. You asked for two reasons, and I gave you two reasons. Now you want two more? You're right. So what I did there was quite unfair to you, Tim. I moved the goalposts. I asked for two reasons. I received two reasons, two good reasons, too. And Tim met the goal I originally set, but I refused to accept that. So I asked for two more reasons. This is why it's called moving the goalposts. It reminds me of my personal trainer who said I have three more reps, so I did three more. But then she expected me to do two more additional reps. When that happened to me, Tim, I got arrested for starting a fist fight. But nevertheless, in those two examples, the breakdown happens because I refuse to accept those two reasons, the initial two reasons. And they're decent reasons, as I mentioned. In the other example, the trainer refused to recognize you completed what was asked of you. It's really unfair. I mean, imagine if your boss said you, if you complete all your work, you can leave early um, once you finish your work, and then you can go home. But then you complete your work, and the boss says, no, here's more work to do. Rather than admit I had done what was asked of me, the goalposts were moved. That's why I retired, Dave. Now I just enjoy scenes from an Italian restaurant. Now, here are a few more notable and real examples. Uh, many thought President Obama was not born in the United States. So he showed him his birth certificate. He put forth the evidence to prove that he was born in the U.S. And rather than accept that, people wanted even more evidence. They moved the goalposts because, as they thought, the birth certificate was clearly fake or fraudulent. Moving the goalposts is also common among those who dip their toes into conspiratorial ways of thinking. When evidence is provided, the opposition dismisses that and asks for more or other evidence even though the evidence originally presented proves the case, such as the case with the last presidential election. And if you encounter a situation uh, which someone moves the metaphorical goalposts, you can then you can uh, uh, then you know they're you're not those people are not really arguing in good faith, which is imperative for reasoned deliberate deliberation. And before you deliberate, both parties can discuss what it would take for the person advocating a position to meet the burden of proof in order to convince the other person of what is being advocated. I've always liked to just point out whenever someone uses this fallacy of moving the goalpost. Sometimes just highlighting the fallacy is enough to let the other person know they're committing a fallacy. Nice point, Tim. So who's sponsoring this episode? 
Today's episode is sponsored by the Dog Whistle Dictionary. Today's episode is sponsored by the latest lexicon to hit the pedant's bookshelf, the Dog Whistle Dictionary. One feature of today's hyper-partisan political environment is the desire to hurl insults at one's opposition, but thanks to successful defamation litigation, we can no longer engage in simple name-calling that disparages the members of such protected classes as race, color, religion, sex, or national origin. And that's where dog whistles come in. Those coded phrases that may seem innocuous to many, but are heard as derogatory to those in the know. Particularly useful features of this dictionary are the alphabetical list of coded insults and the concordance that allows one to imply any negative attribute or behavior to any individual, regardless of race, creed, or national origin, all the while maintaining plausible deniability of any untoward intentions. That's the Dog Whistle Dictionary, available in bookstores and online from the Pedants Bookshelf. I'm David R. Dewberry, and that's Tim as seen on TV McGee. And beyond the board is our executive producer, Nick. We're professors of communication, and this has been rhetoric Orama, a podcast about all things rhetoric. If you have any questions or are looking for more information, feel free to contact us or consult your local library.